podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to a very special episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Championi, championi, ole, ole. Sorry, that's just me getting carried away. Danny, <laughs> here we go. Uh, this has only happened maybe a handful of times since we started this podcast. Um, Liverpool have lifted another, another trophy um, at Wembley this time um, in the League Cup. Um, let's go. Who, no one wants to know about how, how our weeks were. Let's just go straight into it. Um, what a sensational final, nil nil, but anything but, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, it's one of the most interesting nil nils I've seen for a, a very, very long time. Um, it was just it was just end to end, wasn't it? And and yeah, we came out on the right side of it. I think I'd said the night in the last podcast that I thought it was going to go all the way the way we've played against Chelsea last couple of seasons. Um, and yeah, like, do you know what? They, they took a risk at the end of it. Like, and I know we're going to get onto this because it's been the talking point of every radio station and every football conversation for the past few days. It, it could have paid off massively that they swapped the keeper for the penalties, but it, but in fact, it just went completely wrong for them and it was a bit of a nightmare situation, but it worked out perfect for us. And our sub-keeper kept saying, oh, Kelleher didn't save a pen either, but but he's like our what? Like our sub-sub-keeper? And he absolutely buried his penalty. Um and and done well and, and I think it was sort of the hero of the cup competition really which was amazing to see and I think touching on what you said just before yes as you said it's only happened a handful of times but Liverpool have only been winning cups since we started this podcast so I'm going to put it out there again that I'm not saying that that we've made Liverpool win if we win cups by starting this podcast but you know it's it's one of those that we, have you seen. Have you seen us and Superman in the same room? It's one of those types of yeah. conversations. Well, it's, <laughs> it's one of them, you know. You know, Jurgen needs to fire a couple of uh, a couple of decks of beer in the post at least. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> put, 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 put some in the bar for Jurgen. Like, come on, lad. You know. Um, but yeah, mate. I mean, where do you start? It, it, it's actually crazy. Do you start with the penalties? You know, uh, twenty-one successful penalties scored, and then their keeper misses theirs. Or do you start with the actual game, which is nil-nil. I think, I think one place to start is. Um, VAR and you know everyone said it was one of the most interesting games that ever finished nil nil and there was a couple of I have to say I thought Chelsea were very very hard done by with the Lukaku one because I didn't see that was offside really but then you could say the same thing about the uh, Matip goal you know that that was let, let's go from forget Chelsea let's go with the perspective um, that was very harsh harsh offside wasn't it you know the way Van Dijk's well big toes offside. And he wasn't even near the ball, and then you know Manny passes it to Matip, and that like I couldn't believe that like, I was given offside. Can you? And this was the conversation that we've had in previous seasons, isn't it? When it's come to VAR, is it this problem with the fact of they said that they were going to resolve it this season? This whole clear and obvious error, like the fact that if it's clear and obvious, if you can look at a picture and say right, he's offside at that point, then that's then that's what should count. And to be fair, they've done that in the Premier League to a certain extent. But maybe it was just because it was a cup final or maybe it was because it was two big teams and they knew the pressure of sort of the world watching this game. Um, but they went back to this whole, like, checking the lines meticulously and just seeing if there was, like, a half an inch in it, um, which is a bit stupid. And as you said, it, it does run both ways. 
is that the Matthew one you sort of go, come on, like that shouldn't have been an offside, but at the same time, the Lukaku one shouldn't have been either. Um, so in the end, it all evens itself out. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one, but it was as it's one of them, it maybe they didn't want to. They might have had a, a pre-arranged decision before the cup final. You know, if it's, if it's even close, we're just gonna we're just not gonna give it because we don't want everyone talking about the ref after the game type of thing. It almost seems like that was almost pre-planned, which is which is not great, is it? But you can see, you can understand it. Let's put it that way. Um, but what I will say to you, Danny, is if by kind of luck or fate or whatever you want to call it, I actually sat sat next to our last guest, Conor McGillicuddy. Um, and just listen out to the kind of the end of this first part of the pod. I have a few reactions from the game, which we'll be replaying. So if you're a listener in Saban there and you, you're in Dicey Rallies, you, you know, I've done quite a few interviews. Some of them weren't the best quality, so I'm sorry if you don't get on, but these are a few good ones there and uh, hopefully you enjoy them. But yeah, as if fate had it, I end up sitting next to Connor. And we had a handshake before the match. We had a handshake after the match. And he cleared out the bar about 10 seconds later, which is just hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, he stood up on his own whenever that goal got disallowed by Matty. And he must have had 100 Liverpool fans in his face. And he just started cheering and clapping. And, and he was right next to me. And fair play to him, you know. That's what football is about. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the game. So, nil-nil. We, we did use our squad and... One thing we have to mention, it was Gutson. You can't take away the images of Thiago crying because um, he, he got injured in the warm-up and obviously um, Kaita come in. And there was a lot of scrutiny over it. Like, everyone's going, why are you throwing Kaita in? You should throw Elliot in. And it turns out that Elliot wasn't even on the bench mm-hmm. um, for the game. He ended up coming into the bench last minute and then making making an appearance in the cup final. And you know, he got involved, didn't he? You know, pushing um, Rudica and then the flares at the end. So what my question to you, Danny, is in a cup final, Little moments happen like that that like, you can never like Liverpool probably go on and win plenty of trophies, and so will Harvey Elliott. But that's Harvey Elliott's first trophy that he's been involved with Liverpool as playing on the field. How, isn't that a massive moment for such a young player? And what, what could be the future of Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, as you said, it's, it's it was sort of last minute for him, and I think you sort of think even if you're pulling someone in last minute, because obviously the noticeable ones was the fact that him and Curtis Jones weren't going to be in the squad at all. Um, so to bring him in. You sort of expect, and he is his head maybe isn't in it, um, and all the rest of it. But to to not just put him into the squad, but to then bring him on, um, it obviously must have been quite hard for him at the same time to sort of get your head around that and get your head into a game, a game that's so tight. I I totally don't blame Klopp for for starting Keita instead. I think I'd said in the last podcast that the midfield was going to be tough against Chelsea, and, and it proved that way. Every time it swung their way, their midfield just dominated that game um, and as I said it was it was always going to be a tough one across the midfield so you want that maybe little bit more experience that Keita has um, not much in comparison to Thiago and I think Thiago would have maybe have swayed the game a bit more um, because of his flair and the form that he's in I think when we were attacking him and we had those moments in the game when we were going forward and pressing them really tight I think Thiago maybe would have had that key to unlock the door Um Although in saying that, Kaiser hit that absolute belt that Mane should have scored on the on the deflection. Um, but you have to put that down to an absolute top quality save. Um, but yeah, it was just a strange cup final, wasn't it? And I'm going to put it out there, and I'm going to be controversial. I, I honestly, in the 90 minutes, I honestly feel like the, the Chelsea probably were the harder done by. They had the better chances than us. Um, and I'd almost say that within the 90 minutes... 
they almost deserve to win it more than us. I think with the with the shots that they had and the opportunities that they had. But do you know what? Sometimes that's what competitions are all about when it comes to the final. It's riding your luck and playing the game properly. We all remember that from Istanbul in 2005. The team that's, that's meant to win it isn't always the team that wins it. And absolutely. I mean, we can't take away the fact that you know we've become the most successful team in that cup competition, winning it nine times. Again, we go an extra trophy ahead of United to be the most successful English team. Have to get those stats in, have to get them um, spoken on our podcast. Oh, yeah. But there's a couple, couple of things I have to mention. So I thought Diaz had a brilliant game. But just before we come to him, um, Kelleher, he made a couple of really important saves, didn't he? Obviously, Mount Mr. Sitter didn't he come off the post, post and stuff, but I'm going to try and say his name right and give him justice. Keep him, Kelleher. You know, there's been a lot of people trying to say it right here. Um, he stepped up, didn't he? And for 22, 23 years of age, um, that man is, he was number three last year. Let, let, let's, let's, not, let's make no qualms about it. He's now Liverpool's number two and he's played in some massive games, obviously now at Wembley. So, Obviously, we'll come into Diaz in a wee while. It's just been a sensation since he's come into the pub. But let's kind of have a few moments and, and chat about Kelleher to come in as a number two keeper. You know, there's a lot of controversy over because everyone's like, go. even Carragher said it, didn't he? Jamie Carragher said notes before the game. You've got to start your strongest lineup in a cup final. Um, but Klopp believed in him and then Carragher kind of ate his words after and said, well, who am I to question Jürgen Klopp? And uh, ultimately, with the penalty and everything that happened, it turned out to be the right decision, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. And you know what? He would have been absolutely leathered for it had we not won that cup final. He would have been leathered for not starting Allison. But I think his interview afterwards was the proof of it. And and you know what? I totally agree with it. Is that he turned round? And we've seen we've seen it this week. We'll see it on Saturday with the whole. And I'm sure at some point we'll get onto the whole the the Ukraine protest and um the the Black Lives Matter stuff over the last number of months and different things like that. There's got to be room for sentimentality in football. And it's it's a it's a game of passion, and, yes. and it's a game like and I very much agree with the fact that Jurgen Klopp started Kevin Kelleher not because he's the better goalkeeper, but because he's played that entire cup competition and he deserved his shot, and, and that's what makes football too often in football we've complained about money, and the fact that people just buy top quality players in order to try and build the best team possible. And and yes, I believe in, in the modern day and age, you've got to spend money to be able to get a good team and all the rest of it. But there's got to be that sentimentality that you go, no, I'm going to give you your shot at the highest level, give you your chance to prove yourself. He's got the team all the way there. And I, I, I very much believe he, he deserved his shot. Um, and and Chelsea obviously done the opposite. They decided to go with their strongest lineup, decided to put Mendy in and... It didn't do nothing for them in the end. There was very little seller, like separating Mendy's performance and Kelleher's performance. Obviously, you think back to the Mane shot and the save that he'd done. But as you said, at the same time, Kevin Kelleher made two or three really, really good saves. That one right at the start um, against Havertz, was it? Where he, but he was like right in front of him. That reaction save, yeah. almost do-deck-esque. Um, like he was just as good and he held his own and he and he fully deserved it and and I feel like he would have got a lot of confidence from the fact that Jurgen Klopp said afterwards about the fact that he spoke to Allison and said to him that he was going to start Kelleher and Allison was buzzing about it because he wanted Kelleher to get up on that wall of champions and and that would have given him a massive boost as a young lad starting in a big cup final that you're not thinking oh I'm 
I'm rattling the cage here. And if I don't perform, Allison's going to be coming back in. Like the number one goalkeeper, arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world, is massively backing you to do well, and that's got to be a confidence booster for you. Well, it just goes to show Jurgen Klopp for my management. And I, that interview was class, wasn't it? Insane. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a football manager, I'm also a human being, and it was just brilliant. Mm. Um, but I promised there that we'd be briefly mention this just before we go into the penalties. Um, but yeah, Diaz, what a player, what a guy. And I think he, uh, to, it was fifth or sixth match for Liverpool. He wins, he wins a cup. And he was, I know Van Dyke got man of the match, and you can't really argue with it because it was nil nil and it's, it's Virgil. Like, you just can't argue with it. And he slotted his pen. But how, how, how good was Diaz in that match? I thought he was absolutely sensational. Yeah, he's come in really sort of on fire, hasn't he? He's really wanting to do well and really wanting to prove himself. And I suppose a bit like Jota when he's come in, it's just that he was kind of harpered with the injury a little bit. I think he's come in not to take part, but he's come in to try and, I suppose, to quote Conor McGregor, <laughs> he's not coming in to take part, he's coming in to take over. And he's... <laughs> He's got that element at which he's coming in and thinking to himself, no, I'm taking this place. And there's a lot of talk at the minute about the fact that a lot of people feel that Mane might go in the summer um, because of the fact that he's not playing as well. And I think he knows that come next season, if Diaz carries on playing the way that he is, I think Mane will be behind him. Yeah, well, that's that's a discussion point for another podcast for sure, which would be sad to see that day, but... I mean, right now, this season, we're firing for the quadruple, and I'm scared to say it, but I just did. And everyone's talking about it, because we, we just beat Norwich um, in, in the FA Cup there. Um, but obviously, we're going to keep our attentions, because um, that, that was a, 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 a full-gone conclusion almost before the match, and we scraped through the 2-1 with reserve team. So we'll keep our focus on the Cup final just before our break and, and the interviews that I did in Daishi rallies. But let's go to those penalties. So just before the penalties, an extra time, and towards the end of the match, Klopp made some serious changes, bringing the likes of James Milner on, bringing Jotter on. Mm. He brought Mane off, he brought Origi on, um, he brought Diaz off. You know, he made a lot of changes that were, you know, were questioned, but it ultimately turned out to be right because every single player scored a penalty. Um, Danny, uh, that penalty she's out. Uh, what is it about Liverpool Football Club and penalty she's out? It's just... I'm sure every club has, has got. I'm sure every club has got some penalty shoots out that they can remember, and um, you know have grimaces about. But I've seen far too many shootouts with Liverpool in my lifetime. Like, what on earth are you meant to? Re- how how are we meant to react to that? Tell me how. Was that was that three was that three penalty shootouts that we've had on the way to that on the way to that final? I know there's um, definitely one, and I know obviously Kelleher saved the pen. Um, was it against Norwich to to get us through? I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember what it's just over the last three or four years, even the last ten years. There's been so many, so many penalty shootouts for the football club. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's just tentativeness that we're not wanting to really push in a cup final. We're more just like sitting back and waiting for the break and playing that type of game. But I'll be honest with you. I remember nothing about the penalty shootout after Fabinho took his penalty because that was ridiculous. To, to chip a penalty in a cup final as a defensive midfielder, I was like, nah, you know what? This is this, this is over. I, I, I remember nothing after it because it was, it was all a blur after that penalty because everything else was just like, nah, we're going to win. If you can chip a pen in a cup final like that, there's no way we can lose. <laughs> and he's Brazilian, don't forget that. And he's been in great form. And yeah, what a penalty. He'll do some great penalties on the Van Dykes where um Kepper pointed towards us where, where he wanted him to he was standing 
you know, next next to the post. And uh, Van Dijk just gave him the eyes and just blasted it, didn't he? And then uh, Arigi slotted this because, you know, football without, football's nothing without Arigi, if you have to mention that. Um, <laughs> see, when he come off the bench, I have to say, yeah, everyone was looking at me because I was saying, right, that I was saying the whole match. Uh, a few of them were listening to the podcast and I was saying, listen, this, he's going to come on and uh, he's going to win the game. When he come on, like, he must have had 12, 15 people just all stare at me like, this is it happening, this is happening and all. Didn't get a touch. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he slotted his penalty. But yeah, let, let, let's let's spend a final few moments at, at this part of the podcast um, just reminiscing and uh, our goalkeeper going up to score a penalty in front of all those Liverpool fans. Absolutely quality finish. I couldn't, have, I've never taken a penalty like that and I play up front, do you know? And he just put his foot through it and then Kepa thought, well, he can do the same, and he clearly couldn't, could he? <laughs> <laughs> it was a like, it was two ridiculous penalties from the goalkeepers, both for very, very different reasons. Callahan's was a very good penalty, nice and high into the roof of the net. Um, put his foot through it, but didn't put it like center of the goal type foot through it because you put your foot through it, it's just going straight at the keeper. But he, he had the nounce to at least put it to the side and go high. Um, and he had enough power on it to just beat Kepa. He didn't have a chance. The man who was brought on because he's an amazing penalty saver couldn't save 11 penalties um, and then does his own. And I, I honestly feel that I think Kepa will go in the summer. I don't think he'll stay at Chelsea because I think he's already got this kind of order about him that he doesn't care about the club anymore, that he just only cares about himself. And, and this has kind of followed him around for a little while ever since that time when he protested on the pitch of being brought off and different things like this. Um, and that cup final won't have helped him whatsoever. Um, so so I can't see him sticking around. But yeah, it was it was dreadful, wasn't it? Like You feel, you feel <laughs> sorry for him because nobody wants to be the one that like, sort of hits the, the losing penalty, so to speak. Um, but at the same time, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I don't feel sorry for him. And that's Liverpool nine times League Cup champions, and that's another trophy. Um, in the cabinet for Jurgen Klopp, that's trophy number five in I think as many years. So, brilliant succession, brilliant manager, brilliant mentality. And um, speaking of trophies, we're going to preview um, the Premier League game against West Ham on the weekend, the second part of the podcast, and the return of the Champions League, and obviously Inter Milan coming to Anfield. So, in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Strabane in Ireland here and we're getting ready for the League Cup final over Chelsea. I'll pull the fan aside. Now uh, this guy lives in the town I live in and there's not many big bigger Liverpool fans than this guy. Uh, Mark Figo, how's it going? How's it going? You say that there wrong, don't you? Uh, I say that <laughs> uh, what are you predicting today? I think it's gonna be scores both teams to score, three one Liverpool. Three one Liverpool. Who do you fancy to score for Liverpool? Well I'm guessing Salah, Mane and Jota is going to start, so Salah 2, Mane 1. You took away my last question there, but there you go. So, are you with me? If we win, we've just beat the European champions and it's some victory. And if you lose, it was the Mickey Mouse Cup. Well, I 
for those that listen to Mickey Mouse Cup, but if we won, we'd be not only European champions, but the world champions, so... There you go. Come on, Liverpool. Come on, you're right. I've got my second victim here in Dicey Rallies in Straban. I mean, we're one of the most known faces in, in this mm. morning, Dicey. Bingo, what's your score prediction, sir? I think we'll win 2 1. We'll be tight, but we'll do it. Did you notice where everyone quiet there when we started? Yes. There you go. Respect. <laughs> I hope people are quiet. Who do you have no score for Liverpool? It's got to be Salah, hasn't it? You reckon? I knew we'd just start up front with Salah Manny. It's going to be Salah Manny and uh, Jota. Yeah, and Jota, be fit. There you go. Come on, Liverpool. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Right, everyone, welcome back to the second part of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, obviously, we've just spoke a lot about the cup final. You've heard the reactions from the different people. Um, one of the things that I always worry about when you reach a cup final, especially when you win a cup, is the fact of that come down from it. Is the fact that sometimes you think to yourself, the players are going to feel like the season's over, they've won something, they've had that high, do they really care anymore? But what we've seen is Liverpool come back and beat Norwich to progress uh, and progress to the fifth round of the FA Cup uh, and then we're going on to what is arguably the fight for the quadruple now. So we're still in the FA Cup, we've already won the League Cup, we've got the Premier League coming up uh, against West Ham and then we are going to be playing in the Champions League in the second leg against Inter Milan, which we are comfortably winning 2-0 at the minute, coming into the home tie. Um, it seems like everything is just coming up roses at the minute. Is is that the case? I know we spoke about the whole Chelsea game, and was it going to be as easy as what we thought it was? And obviously it wasn't. It was a tight enough game. Um, but it just seems like everything's going our way at the minute. Can you see anything other than like playing West Ham at home, playing Inter at home over the next... Week obviously when this goes out, we're going to be playing West Ham in the evening here, uh, and then playing into Milan on the Tuesday. So, is it does it just seem like we've got too much momentum at the minute to be losing games now, or do you think we need to potentially watch that that sort of come down from the cup final? Well, obviously, three things is that you mentioned if we didn't philosophy mentality, uh, and another way I'd say squad. We've got the squad handler. Yeah. There's no one injured at the moment apart from Firmino. And I think our attacking threat is probably our strongest point at the moment. You know, you've got the likes of Minamino turning up in the cup there tonight. He is literally what? He is eighth choice striker at Liverpool, let's say. You know, you're Oxley and Chamberlain, who's about eighth choice midfielder, that can do a job up front. You know, Harvey Alley can play up there, Kaiser can play up there. And then we haven't mentioned Mane, Salah, Diaz, you know, Jota, <laughs> Rigi. You know, we've got the squad. Uh, West Ham, tough game, but at Anfield, it's our second out of three games at Anfield. Um, they've had a fantastic couple of seasons. The, the, the good squad, um, good managing David Moyes. Um, I, I, he, he didn't get respected at Manchester United, and he ended up at West Ham for the second spell, and he's done brilliantly. And for what they actually have in that team, that you know, it, it's a it's a really tight team. But I think they're running out of steam a little bit. You can see results the last couple of months aren't as good as they once were. And I think with our squad that we've got and the changes that we can make, we've just seen that in Norwich midweek. Um, and Anfield, we can throw our reserves and still beat you know, a Premier League team. I think of the full seven team against West Ham, which you've got to go for, um, we should win the game comfortably. But again, it all comes down, I keep saying it every week, it comes down to first goal, doesn't it? Um, but no, w- w- one thing you will be rest assured is that Liverpool have the right mentality. They'll go in the game like any other game looking to win it, looking to dominate possession. West Ham will have put men behind the ball. 
look to counter us, you know, at, with Antonio up front. And as long as we get the first goal, settle the nerves, I see it being a comfortable victory. But like 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 your Leicester's in the world, like your Everton's in the world, well, actually, no, Everton, excuse my French, but like yeah. your Leicester's of the world, and you know, West Ham are that type of category team, like Arsenal's and stuff, they, they can, you wouldn't be shocked if they beat us because they've got quality all throughout the team. But you can keep having this conversation about other teams having quality. It's a Premier League, they all do. Um, Again, it's just a case of Salah's had a rest. Mane's only played 10 minutes there. He come off the cup final. Diaz is on fire. Jota's on fire. You know, how, how can you play a game and not expect one of them not to turn up? It, it, it's, it never really happens. So, yeah, comfortable victory for Liverpool. And I would say, let's say Salah is going to be the match winner for me. Okay, interesting enough, interesting enough. I think one of the things that I've thought about that goes ahead in our favour is the fact that West Ham generally, although they're playing really well, obviously they're fighting for potentially getting into those Champions League spots. I think I think the, the league table can be deceiving. And I think at the minute it's got them sitting in fifth, like just behind the top four. Do you remember oh. you said that last year, Danny? Do you remember the conversation about West Ham and getting in Champions League that season? Come on. Uh, you you were flapping a little bit, and we all know it. It got close at some point. Um, but I think the league table's deceiving this season. It, it's got them in front of Spurs, in front of Arsenal, and all the rest of it. But all of these teams have got potentially three games in hand on West Ham. Like, so. But I think West Ham are very much in there for the Europa League, doing really well currently in the Europa League as well. But I think one of the things that seems to go against them is the fact that their away-from-home form hasn't been the best. You look just in in recent months. Uh, drew against West, drew against West Ham, uh, lost to Arsenal, um, lost to Spurs. All these different teams that all the those teams that are around them basically they're, they're losing to when they're away from home. So it's a little bit of a, a difficulty for them. So can they come to Anfield and get a result with bad away form? I think it's one that I mean have in the Wales to come to. I've never known West Ham to draw against West Ham before, but um, that, 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 that was a bit of a... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a problem. We're trying to read stats fast. <laughs> you drew against Leicester. That's what this is. Uh, yeah, yeah, Leicester. <laughs> you say West Ham drew against West Ham. But yeah, no, it's under, it's, it's under the floodlight at Anfield at evening um, game. You, you've got the likes of Salah, Mane, Diaz, Jota coming back in. Um, Fabinho you should hopefully think it's a comfortable victory. And hopefully, you know, with an hour gone, you should hopefully get a few of the big boys off and focus on the Champions League, shouldn't you? That's kind of the dream. But whether, you know, if football was that simple, we say every week, don't we, football is that simple, we wouldn't be doing this, would we? Because it would be boring and pointless. Exactly. And as we said, football is a passion. It's something that people have to show a lot of passion for. And the thing is, is that Liverpool... I think the players are showing a lot of passion at the moment. They know they can smell the fact that there's potential history making to be done this season. And I think there was always the, the thing of getting so close to Man City, getting so close to breaking the 100-point barrier, um, winning the Champions League, winning the Super Cup, doing all these things. They've then just sort of Klopp has kind of broke his own personal record of finally winning a, a domestic cup at Wembley and all these different things. But I think they can smell the fact that Klopp is bringing it up in interviews about this quadruple, I think shows that, that they are smelling it. And I think that they're wanting it. And, and it's going to be an interesting time over the next number of weeks. I think we've said all along, and it's been a build-up and a build-up, that the City game is going to be a massive decider as to how this season goes, I think. Um, but... As you said, football's a game of passion. And I think Liverpool are showing a lot of passion at the minute in, in the way that they play. 
uh, in the fact that they are turning up week in, week out. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Um, but I want to ask you, before we move on to this Champions League game, there's a question that got put to me a few times this week, actually, um, and I thought it's well worth discussing on the podcast. We know, obviously, you have bigged up Jordan Henderson in a massive way uh, over the last couple of seasons. We've seen, going back to the, the cup final there at the weekend, we've seen the way he gave Kelleher the cup. He got him to go and stand at the front and got all the photographers to get good pictures of him because it's like, no, this is his cup. Uh, the way that he is with the players around him, the way that he, the attitude that he's got, all the rest of it. Is there an argument to be made that Henderson is, is there an argument to be made that Henderson is the best captain that Liverpool's had? Um, he certainly proved the doubt is wrong, hasn't he? And we've discussed this quite a lot in depth. Um, he is sitting a f- six trophies for the football club. I think Carragher and Gerrard famously won nine each, didn't they? Um, if we win the quadruple this season, you know, it's unprecedented, but he could equal what they've won. Um, if he wins another Premier League, maybe another Champions League, you have to put him in that conversation, don't you? You, know, you look at some of the most famous you know, ones over the years of you know, Keegan and Daglish and Phil Thompson even. Um Gerard obviously is, is the big one, isn't it? Um, I would say right this second, no, but he's 31 years of age, which is young in these days. He's got another, I think, three solid seasons at Liverpool Football Club all going well. Um, and then he'll go to Sunderland in, in the, the, what was it, the Conference League North, probably at some stage, <laughs> or Conference League South, but he'll go back to Sunderland probably. But not. he's got another good two or three years at Liverpool. So ask me that question then. And um, he's he will he's definitely in the conversation now. I wouldn't say he's the best, but in a couple of years' time, he you know he, he might be right up there, um, for sure, for sure, Danny. Because mm, the because I suppose the argument is is that can is is a captain is a good captain defined just by the amount of trophies that they've won. Because we, there's all these stories that that I feel never really were about as much when, when say, Gerrard was the captain and, and Hippio was the captain and people like that. The These stories of the way Henderson treats the younger lads, the way that he, the, the role model that he is for them, the, the way that he is on the on the pitch, but also the way that he is in the training grounds and around the boys, the, the mentalities instilling in them and what he's sort of helping them with and helping their development. A lot of those young lads are putting the fact that they're getting into this first team down to Henderson. Like, it, does that not define him as a captain far more than just the trophies he's going to win at the end of his career? Well, absolutely, Danny. And I mean, the story of Jordan Henderson is just so so fantastic in itself, isn't it? He was about to be put on loan to Fulham as part of a deal to bring Clint, Dem- Clint Dempsey into Liverpool. Um, and he refused it. He refused that move. And you've got to have self-belief. You know, he was absolutely, he was roasted by Fergie, wasn't he? He quite famously about his running and, you know, he was... He was roasted by Liverpool fans as well for passing it back. And he don't f- what we forget, the one link between that Carragher and Gerard era and the Jürgen Klopp and all the success, the one link that we have is Jordan Henderson. That's the one link. That's and you could almost argue him being at the end of that era where we were kind of floating around fourth or fifth and you know, winning the League Cup under Kenny Daglish. Coming into Brendan Rodgers playing great football, missing out on the league title. You know, we famously got sent off, didn't he? They missed the last few games of that season where we were we were about to win the league. You know, 
you could you could dedicate an episode, free episode to Jordan Henderson. Um mm. and I'm sure we will at some stage. And I would say this when it comes to Jordan Henderson, there'll be a moment for him that will be a special. Um that's probably the end of a player that's played for the football club. But I'm very scared of just kind of saying he's near the end yet. Yeah, I think he's got a lot to give. And um, I think we should put this conversation on hold. And in two or three years' time, we can look. We could potentially be looking at Jordan Henderson as Liverpool's most successful player. And it's scary because you wouldn't have said that, would you, when he first signed for Liverpool? But uh, he's given us his best. He's given us his best years. He's had some awful injuries over them, but uh, he's a fighter. And um, all I can say is he's, he's just brilliant on and off the pitch. It's clear to see. And uh, yeah. I'm sure when it comes to Inter Milan and Champions League, he'll be the he'll be the one seeing it, making everyone be in the right position, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, just he is captain fantastic, of course he is. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's it is an interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think it's a conversation well worth having um, because I think he is he has really proven himself on and off the pitch. Uh, the fact that we could have signed Clint Dempsey. Henderson, like don't get me wrong, I was one of the people that was sort of like, ah, oh, Henderson's not good enough for Liverpool. Why is he playing? He only ever passes the ball backwards. Like I was not a fan of Henderson when he's come in, but the fact that we might have had Clint Dempsey instead, like who is Clint Dempsey? Like he spends most of his time now fishing in America. Like, like what's the point of that guy? Like who is he? Like Danny's been on Google. <laughs> hey, it doesn't take much. Like Ben Dempsey hasn't exactly had the most amazing of careers anyway. Um I like most of these boys they either get into golf or fishing at the end. Um but yeah, to see what Henderson has done and how he's come on to know that we potentially were gonna get rid of him and sort of flog him out to, to get a boy who basically only had eighteen months of a career left in him. Um it, it's just baffling, isn't it, when you think now I suppose hindsight's a good thing. But as you said, we're going to need big characters like Henderson, like Milner and others. Um, we're going to need this squad, as we've seen, um, to be able to carry on progressing in each of these competitions that we're in, especially in this Champions League. Um, we've got a lot of young lads in the squad at the minute, a lot of lads who are going to be feeling the pressure, feeling the nerves, uh, and you need those heads, those sort of calm, collected heads to be able to come up in this Inter Milan game. Is this game just a done deal now? It's at Anfield, it's under the lights, the atmosphere is going to be amazing no matter what the score, but it's 2-0 aggregate at the minute, cruising in like with a with a full squad, no major injuries to talk about. Is this game even worth having a conversation about, or is it just on a dust of that Hey, first of all, I completely respect your question. I see where you're coming from, but are you joking? Absolutely not. 2-0 is, is not, you know, Istanbul, Barcelona... Um, you remember Tottenham a few years ago against Ajax. You know we were discussing off air Tottenham against uh, Leicester, weren't we? Um, absolutely not. Two goals in football can be scored in, in twenty seconds, and we've seen it. We've seen it on numerous occasions. So absolutely not. Um, but are we huge favourites? Absolutely. Um, if we do our job right, you know, do we get through? Absolutely. If we score the first goal, are we more or less through? Absolutely. Um, with the atmosphere, are they going to cave under the pressure? Probably. A Liverpool going to score the first goal? Probably. The fact that we've got the, the, the better team on paper, we've got a full-sense squad, squad, does that go to our advantage? Again, absolutely. But it's football. It's the Champions League. Inter Milan have got some pedigree. They've got nothing to lose. 
And as you see in plenty of games over over, over the years, a team that's got nothing to lose are more dangerous than a team um, that are trying to play you know edgy and stuff like that. And we've seen that in the Atletico Madrid game at Liverpool where they was we were two 0 up. They brought it back to two two. I know we won the game, but you know it, it happens, and they've got quality players on the pitch. So uh, no, it's, it's it's not over. Um, I just can't wait to see the scenes of the team bus getting welcomed in. And uh, another great European night Anfield. I'm just looking forward to it. Going to be a good one. I think um, Inter Milan coming into this game, probably not on the greatest run since they since they last played us. They drew two games in the city had and lost one. So they haven't actually picked up a win uh, since, since losing to us. So I think that puts us in good form because it, it's two teams. We sort of said in that first game, it was two teams, similar positions in the league, going at each other, sort of two big sort of heavyweights of European football, where when we come into the second leg, as you said, Liverpool have got the advantage. At Anfield, under the lights, fans, the atmosphere, we know what Champions League nights are like at Anfield. But at the same time, Liverpool have now got a cup under the belt, a good run of games. Um, What is that now? It's five, six games won, not even undefeated, we've won. Like we're literally oh, Danny, it's, it's ten, it's ten games in a row. There you go. See, so well it's definitely five then I'm still right. Yeah, well the cup <laughs> final I suppose you could say we drew, but no it's ten games. Ten games we yeah. we won. Yeah. So we're on a we're on an absolute run here of just winning games and dominating in performances against an Inter Milan team that are starting to drop a little bit down now in the league. Um that's not to say that they're not going to be good. That's not going to say that they're not going to have that fire in the belly to want to really try and pull something out of the bag as we've seen Liverpool do many times in the past. Um but how do you how do you see the game going? What give me a prediction on, on how you think it's gonna finish. I'm gonna say probably one all. I see Liverpool scoring, but I see us conceding one because they'll be going all out. Um having a bit of an edgy moment. But then I see, you know, Klopp probably bringing on the likes of Milner and Arigi to see out the game. The Liverpool fans giving it the bigger Everything you know, the flares going off, and uh, I see us strolling into the last state of the Champions League for like what? I, I don't. I think we get to the last eight most seasons now, and uh, I just think I wouldn't say we, it's a given. But what I would say is we're huge favourites. Stupid comments, but we are. And uh, I'm not sitting there. I'm not going to be watching behind the sofa. I don't think. But again, like anything we said this against uh, West Ham, the first goal so important. If they get the first goal. You know, it just changes the dynamic of the game. And um, if we get it, it's, it's practically over. If they get it, it's game on. And it's that simple. You know, it's still on knife edge. You say, you said before, before, then you just, you know, is it a full conclusion? No, because they scored a goal. It's game on. Do you know? It, it, I, absolutely. So I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Um, how do you see it going? Yeah, as you said, if, if they get the first goal, it becomes very, very nervy. It becomes very edgy. Um, but at the same time, I just can't see them at the minute. They just haven't got the firepower in them. I can't see them maybe getting that first goal, if you know what I mean. I think I remember from the first from the first leg, they just didn't seem to have that much up top and they haven't really developed that in the in the weeks since. Um having not scored a single goal since playing us. Um so yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go including the aggregate, I, I think it's gonna finish aggregate four nil. I'm going for another 2-0 at Anfield. I think we're going to score early, do a bit like what we've done at Norwich there, unless unless they get a sort of handy little goal, something that is sort of unexpected now to the blue. I think we'll go two goals up. We'll try and see the game out. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to finish 4-0 aggregate. 
Well, let's hope strong. Can I just do one thing? I'm probably going to get some trouble with this, but I'm just going to do it for all the fans out there. Ready? You ready? <laughs> Possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to Ammo. And Danny's. And it's Shanfield Road. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.